This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Space, the final frontier. These are the voyages of the Starship Enterprise. Its continuing mission to explore strange new worlds. Boldly go where no one has gone before. Engage. Engage. Enterprise. Enterprise. This is Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Captain Catherine Janeway. Captain Sisko. This is Captain Jonathan Archer. Red alert. Photon torpedoes. Fire. The official Star Trek podcast. Engage. Engage. Make it so. With your host, Jordan Hoffman. That, sir, is illogical. Let's make sure history never forgets. This is Engage. Hailing frequencies open, sir. And we're back. Hello, everybody. Welcome to the newest episode of Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Hoppin. Thanks so much for listening to us. Thanks so much for liking us on Facebook, facebook.com slash Engage, the official Star Trek podcast. Thank you for following me on Twitter, at Jay Hoffman. And thanks for everything. All right, good night. We're done. No, 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 no. Now the show is about to begin. Uh, It's an exciting time because we're only a few short weeks away from Discovery. Um, it's the end of the summer, beginning of the fall, but before we really dive into Discovery Full Blast, Warp 6, let's just take a moment or two to look back. I think we have one more interview, Brian, from the convention in Las Vegas this summer. That is correct. We have one more, and um, it's with a great guest, and there was one problem in Las Vegas. And what problem is that? You weren't there. Yes, that is correct. You weren't there. So the sound guy, I don't remember his name. He was a nice, he was all right. I didn't really hang out with him too much. But he um, screwed up a little bit. So the interview doesn't sound that great. But it sounds okay, right? It, it, you, you can understand the words. It's, it's, not, it's not pleasant we, sounding. <laughs> Our team of scientists are working as best they can to make the following interview not painful to your ears, but a couple things are, there's a confluence of things happening. Number one, it's a great guest and we want to have him on the show. Number two, right now it's like right before Labor Day and we've pre-recorded a bunch of other episodes and we've got nothing left. <laughs> we got nothing left. We no ha- transparency on the Engage podcast. No, I'm, I let it all out with my friends. We got no- We have three things in the can. Before Discovery starts. But we did two. We did Tim Russ last week. That's correct. We did half of Rain Wilson, because you heard the opening last week. We got a mystery guest for next week. I don't want to spoil it yet. And then we got Rain Wilson next. And then Discovery starts, and I'm going away, and everybody's on vacation. I got nothing to talk about. (laughs) I got nothing to say, Brian. And we've also been recording for about three hours now, yeah, so um, I, got nothing I, to s- I think we're both a little winded. I got nothing to say, but what's good is that I had a fun conversation with Rene Aubergenois, who's no joke of a fella. He's a golden guest. He's like one of, he's Odo, for God's sakes. He's Odo. He 
was on 350,000 episodes of Benson. He was, uh, he's been in so many great movies. He was in McCabe and Mrs. Miller, for God's sakes. Uh, you know, uh, he was in, in MASH. He was, uh, has done a million things on Broadway. He is, a, you know, Gosford Park, I think he was in, too. This guy is a genuine get. The problem is, when we interviewed him, the putts uh, behind the soundboard didn't do it right. But you know what? It's worth it. So this is a big wind-up to say the following interview is not of the pristine audio quality that you expect out of Engage the Official Star Trek podcast, at least especially when Brian is behind the wheel. I'll clap for myself. When this knucklehead out in Las Vegas, whose name I don't remember, he had tattoos all over the place. That can tell you what kind of guy he is. I don't trust I have no tattoos. Yeah, yeah. Tattoos... I don't trust guys with too many tattoos. You know, you know what? You keep your tattoo on where you can't see it, so that only your special, intimate there friends you go. see it, and then you reveal. Guess what? Visible tattoos? I don't know. Little ones, maybe like on your ankle. Those I like. Big tattoos all over the place. Give me a break. This guy didn't record it right, but nevertheless, we're going to listen to Rene Auberginois, um, and this was very early in the morning, also. So you're going to hear. A tired Rene Auvergenois <laughs> give kind of a perplexing interview because there were not a lot of people in the audience. But anyway, it was a lot of fun because it was like a first thing. So that's what's going to happen. Uh, what else is going on in the news? I don't know. Discovery's right around the corner. It's very exciting. Uh, Rain Wilson, as you know, uh, had the uh, sweepstakes for his uh, very generous um, charity. And by now, maybe the winner's been picked. So that's really cool. And, uh, and that's what's happening. So, you know what? Let's go in the Wayback Machine and listen to uh, my chat with Renee. I hope, I again, the quality isn't so hot, but it's good enough. And until then, we'll catch you next week. Live long and prosper. Hey, Brian, are you there? I'm here. <laughs> I, I got to let you know about something really cool, something that I've been carrying around on my person right on my wrist i just got a new wrist watch from movement watches do you know about movement i do not please tell me more i gotta tell you these are wrist watches um that look like uh a million bucks but they are not they usually run around 95 bucks or 100 bucks and they look really really stylish really really sleek and what's exciting is that if you're a listener to this show, engage the official Star Trek podcast, you can get 15% off one of these really cool watches. They got dozens of them. They got them in chrome. They got them in black. They got them in like uh, like a, a rose gold. And um, you know, to to some of my listeners, folks, fellas, especially, but the ladies too, maybe you're still rocking a digital watch from the 1980s. Maybe you're still playing Space Invaders at the arcade listening to Rush, you might want to consider leveling up. And the way to do it is uh, with movement watches, because, Brian, I'm telling you, they look really sleek. They look like the kind of watches you can't afford, but you can. Um, it's a small company. They started on their own. There were these two guys that wanted to have fancy watches, and they were broke and in college, so they started creating their own watches, and now it's a great company. So what do you think? Uh, it sounds pretty great. I, I don't think I've ever worn a watch in my life, but you know what? Maybe it's time for that. Dude, what, you check your phone? <laughs> I do check my phone, yeah, but you know what? It's, it's, it, my phone's too big. It's, it's in my pocket. I'd rather just look at my wrist. It, it, I mean, I, I'm 50% of the time 
wear, don't wear a watch. And whenever I don't, and I need to know what time it is, and I'm sitting down, I'm in a car, I'm like digging into my pants to get my phone out, it's a pain in the butt. And dangerous if you're driving. <laughs> Absolutely. So dig this. What you're going to do is go to movement.com. It's M-V-M-T. It's very slick. I'm telling you, movement, mvmt.com slash engage, and that gets you 15% off. mvmt.com slash engage. Check them out. You can't lose, and that's the deal. Welcome to Play It, a new podcast network featuring radio and TV personalities talking business, sports, tech, entertainment, and more. Play it at play.it. This is Engage, Engage. the official Star Trek podcast. Energize. We're going to unveil that tomorrow. There's going to be a lot of cool stuff happening on this stage today, but this stage is a little bit different. This stage we're calling the Inside Trek is going to be a little bit more like a a fireside check. Uh, A little bit unscripted, a little bit uh, just hanging out, uh, a little shorter than some of the other panels, and there will be a lot of opportunity to interact with you, the people who showed up here at 9 o'clock in the morning. And our first guest is Renee Aubergenois, who Sketch artist, 
Can you see the on the side there? And over there. And also a photographer. And really interesting photographs. And please take this the right way every night, because you know that I respect and admire you. You take some marvelous photographs of garbage. <laughs> I'm serious, I give you your website and oh, great, I see junk and you find a way to make it beautiful, which is pretty remarkable. Ah, uh, that's a wonderful comment. It, it is, but it's not like I haven't heard something like that. I did some, there's a farm um, in the valley where I just came from up in Mendocino. Um, and it's just a beautiful farm. It's like what Martha Stewart wishes she that's well that's what her vision is anyway it's it's absolutely genuine and you can't take a bad picture there there's so much beauty and and and, and the aesthetic of it is just perfect northern california perfect and um i was showing the the woman who owned the the farm i was showing her some of my pictures and she she looked at the one that I was one of my favorites, and she said, that's amazing. That's our compost heap. <laughs> <laughs> what, what is this over here that we're saying? Oh, God. These are my cartoons. I think that's called My New Tie. Or something like that. I use rubber stamps, and um, it's all done on the computer with a, you know, a Wacom tablet. They're just photographs. Wow. Now, you're doing this not just for your own artistic fulfillment. You're actually raising money for uh, various social causes with your Well, own. that's true. Um, we're, um... <laughs> that says sight unseen. Um, yeah, I, I guess, well, definitely the reason I'm here um, is because of getting to meet you all. But it's also because of um, my commitment to an organization, Doctors Without Borders. And, um, yeah. and, and you know, if you want to sh show off, you go, uh... Médecins sans frontières. Les poissons, les poissons, how I love les poissons. Médecins sans frontières is, uh, it, it began in France and um, it, it, I won the Nobel Peace Prize as an organization, um, I think in um, the late 90s. Uh, 90, I'm, you Google it. Um, but they go into, in case you don't know, they go into all these conflict zones and natural disaster places and uh, places overwhelmed with um, diseases. Um, and they are all volunteer doctors and nurses and technicians. And they go into these areas that nobody else will go into. They just, they can't. They, they're not, you know, they're not prepared for that. And so it's an extraordinary organization. I mean, you know, they have like, they'll, they'll come into a, a place that's been ravaged by 
an earthquake with nothing left leveled and they will come in and they have inflatable hospitals and they have all this equipment too and they just set up and get to work and they're an amazing organization and uh, you so know the, the, the work on your website if people want to buy it oh yeah uh, I got yeah. sure I do I do I guess Mar Marguerite Krauss Blessed Saint Marguerite Krauss um, and Mike and Aaliyah and Miri and the guys. Anyway, these wonderful people who have um, helped me do this. And yeah, if you go to the website, there are things. And um, give, if I have, you know, if I'm given enough lead time, um, I will send you that. I want to ask about your style of drawing. When, how, how old were you when you first started to draw? Because you do have a very distinctive look. I mean, it's not a... Uh, you know, I, I was totally... Um, well, my grandfather was a very well-known and highly regarded Swiss painter um, from Lausanne, the French part of Switzerland. And um, my father was a, was a writer, but he was also a wonderful artist. Um, so I was very influenced by that, and I was, but visually I was influenced by the New Yorker, which was a magazine that would appear um, weekly um, in, 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 at our house. And I wasn't really into all the big articles and everything, but the cartoons, Steinberg and Steig, you know, who did who is the right the the, car, the the writer and illustrator of um uh the green yeah, yeah, um, the, you know I don't know which green guy you mean yeah, I mean the big green guy playing in the in the what Hulk Hulk Incredible Hulk no 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 cartoon an Orion are you talking about an Orion the cartoon you know Shrek Bumby what? Who's green in a cartoon? It's, it's a real animated feature. Um, Crack. Crack. Yeah. Crack. It was uh, Mike Myers. Yes. yes. That guy. That guy. Yeah, we love him. Well, William Steig yeah. created that character. In his and the book is beautiful. The illustrations. It's really wonderful. Really worth. I mean, as much as you might love the film, it is its own creature. But the book is influenced me as an artist. Now, now, you mentioned a moment ago, you said, well, I said, we're going to get to know the real, you're, def you're in the sexual response is, I am a character actor, uh, which got a big laugh. But, but can you tell me, what does being a character actor mean to you? What is the phrase character actor? What significance does that have? Uh, I, when I was dreaming of being an actor um, and what, it, what that would mean I could do with my life I um, I always imagined you know imagining it what you hoped it would be I always imagined um, that I'm just losing the track of this thought well, it is early. I, yeah, it sure is early. I, I, 
Where were we? Where were we? You were dreaming of being an actor. Dreaming, I, yeah, I always, um, <laughs> I always imagined that I would be known as an actor who it always amazed people that it was so different each time that the characters were so different, and uh, so I always thought that would be the thing that would be exciting to do to surprise people that way. And then uh, now I realize that although I've played a, a myriad of characters and I like to think that they're all different, they are all coming from this. You know, so there's only so much I can do. And, and if I see some of Clayton Endicott III in Odo, I go, oh, oh my God. How did that happen? <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because, you know, there is a certain, you know, a chameleon-like effect of slipping into a, a, a film or a, a play and maybe not having the starring role, and there is an Odo-like quality to that. I mean, Odo was a little bit like a character actor in his shape-shifting ability. That, that well, that was always my take on it. Yeah. That, uh... Yeah. He, fascinating character that, for me, when I read it, what it was and what he was supposed to do, I just thought, this is, uh, this is what I want as a character actor. This is an expression of playing characters and etching a character is um, kind of dangerous <laughs> because you're putting yourself out there. You know, when you were a kid after dinner and you went in and performed for your family or your friends in the sofa and everything, that's one thing. But then when you're really doing it, that's another thing. And I know I'm rambling here about being a character actor and I'm trying to get to the root of it, of what I think about it in myself because I really do think it has a lot to do with um, feeling more comfortable with a character not not separating you from the audience but allowing you um, enough distance I have such admiration for actors who can just project their personality uh, Catherine Hepburn who I had the great fortune of working with that's her that's what she could do. Uh, I could never. I, 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 I rarely have done that as an actor. I've always had an concept of a mask. And that also appealed to me about Odo, being able to hide behind the mask. Well, well, you've done some remarkable roles over the years, and I don't always have the opportunity to speak to you one-on-one. -on -one. Um, so I'm going to take that opportunity to talk about some of the, some, some work you've done over the years that is always fascinating. And um, one thing was just something that just came out last year, a very small film called Certain Women, which you were in, if it's a 90-minute movie, there's 89 minutes of it with no Renee. You're only in it for a brief moment, but you're the, the movie is great, and then you show up and you blow it into the stratosphere, if I may say so. Say uh, that again. <laughs> what? No, no, I didn't hear it. 
I said that uh, when you showed up, the movie just fell apart. No, when you showed up, it, it really blew into the stratosphere at that point. I thought that your character really was just so remarkable. And I'm thinking to myself, hey, that's that's my Star Trek guy, because I get excited when I see my Star Trek people in other movies. I really all do. So it, it wasn't a very successful. Well, I was saying it wasn't very successful. It was not a big box office banana. It was not designed to. It be. was made for about eighty-nine cents. It's a very much small movie. Yes. Tell us She's a little bit about that. Kelly Reichardt is a a brilliant director, um, and uh, she makes these films. Uh, Wendy and Lucy, uh, Michelle. Williams uh, with her dog Lucy about a young woman sort of on the road. They, these are and, and and certain women with incredible cast: Kristen Stewart, Laura Dern, Michelle Williams, Jared Harris, uh, James LaGrosse. I mean, just wonderful people. And uh, and then this fabulous um, young actress, actor, actress. Uh, who basically steals the film. It is the saddest film. And I know that is kind of a turn-off, but it is about such sadness. These people, they're like three stories. Um, and I'm part of one. I'm in the middle, which is always good, because then you become, in a way, a fulcrum. And it is, it's only one scene. It's a little longer than a minute. <laughs> I know. Well, that's the key to what I'm doing now. I don't want big parts anymore. I want to just say, oh, I see who this character is, and this is how I see him, and hand it to you. And, you know, whatever. It, it's, uh, it, I just turned down a film last night. I got the offer when I was lay laying over from up in Mendocino, to come here, I was in LA waiting for the next flight, and I got this offer. And I'm not going. I, I just got an offer for a film, and um, so when I got to the hotel, I they had PDF'd it to me, so I read it, and I I was kind of hoping that it would be something that I would just love to do. As it turned out, it wasn't. So I just to be at this point in my life where I just go, uh, no, I, I, I don't need to do that. I've done something like that. Or, you know, you get these things about, uh, it's, um, it's old hat maybe, but, you know, when you're trying to decide, you're just a working actor and you're raising your family and you're trying to decide what to do and how to maneuver your life so that you have a life beside the work. Um, <laughs> going deeper. <laughs> um, you know, you made you made a chicken noise a moment ago, and this is something else I wanted to bring up. You were in one of the strangest movies ever made, well, Brewster McCloud, right? In 1969, 70, 71. Something it was after Mash, after the feature film Mash. Yeah. It was Robert Altman's next film. Yeah, Brewster McCloud. Has anybody seen Brewster McCloud? Okay. Well, only a few. Well, MASH was a, a, a major success, and you made a number of films involved, you made at least four. I right? made, um... <laughs> X amount. I made MASH, Brewster McCloud, McCabe and Mrs. Miller, Images, 
And then I was sort of where's Waldo-ish in the player. Uh, you know, he did that. Um, so yeah, Bruce McLeod. I was actually doing a. Sh I had done Mash, and then I went from that to doing a musical on Broadway. You see, that was great. to go from this. That's what I dreamed about being a character actor. Going from Father Mulcahy. Dago Red, creating that character, choosing the hat, choosing the demeanor, because the character didn't exist. Bob Altman said, what would you do if you were, um, you know, a priest in a mash unit? And I made up this idea of who I would make that character. And it was a shy, kind of bumbling guy, um, but with a heart of gold, and blah, blah, blah. And Bob liked that idea, so we went with that. But the next thing I was doing was this incredibly effete, I didn't think of him as gay. This is in the, uh, in 1970. Um, so I didn't even, he was just a fop. He was just the most outrageous guy. And, he, and it was this musical with, uh, Catherine Hepburn, <laughs> how lucky can you get? And um, so that was the epitome. I'm wandering around, I know, but about being a character actor, that that was living the dream. Yeah. Uh, we have time for a few questions before we wrap things up. If anybody has an urgent, burning question they need to get off their chest and ask Renee, there is a microphone over here. If you just kind of want to keep it to yourself. You don't have to ask any questions. But you think about it. We have a few more minutes. But tell us a little bit about the, the, the crazy professor and Bruce McLeod. Oh, yeah, sorry. I did hey, wander you. off there. So I was doing this musical on Broadway, and then uh, Bob called, and he said, I have an idea for a character. He was shooting Bruce McLeod down in Houston, the Astrodome. And um, he said, I have an idea for a character and we could shoot it all in one day, can you get here? And I did, I went like on a, some, whatever the equivalent of a red eye was, down to Houston after my last show on Sunday, got there some god-awful hour in the morning, and Bob met me, and we sat up the rest of the night writing this character, who was a lecturer in the beginning of the film about birds. And he, every time they would cut back to this character, he was becoming more and more of a bird. And in the end, he's like crouched on top of the desk with feathers sticking out of him. And he's like, It's um, a pretty remarkable, it's a remarkable film and, and it's, it's... You know what, I'll, I'll be candid with you. I went to a UCLA uh, retrospective of Bob's work and so much of it was so wonderful. But Bruce McLeod, I didn't, it didn't quite hold it's up. It's one of those ones that some people love and some people don't. And yeah, that's what, he, that's it, it is true, uh, the true definition of a cult film. Um, uh, and um, it was sure so, so fun to make, but I just think it was the 70s, you know, I think Bob was. <laughs> I know he was. <laughs> the 70s. <laughs> uh, excellent. Okay, so we have a few moments for some rapid-fire questions. So this uh, this gentleman right here. Yes or no questions. Okay. Uh, did you love working on Kong, uh, King Kong in the 1970s as well? 
asking you, you worked in the 1977 version of King Kong. Yes, I was. Giant production. Yeah, it was excellent watching you on screen. That, that's such a memorable movie. I thought you were excellent in King Kong. Thank you, thank you. That was, uh, you know, when you're a character actor, you, 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 it's like, that was the job that bought our first house. <laughs> this is the job that sent my kids to college. Um, you know, but so King Kong was a great gig. Got to be friends with Jeff Bridges and remain to this day and his whole family. Um, Bo Bridges' son, Jordan, is one of my kids' dearest bosom buddies. They're deeply connected and that all trickled down being in Hollywood at that time. It was a lot of fun. I, and by the way, I think it was the, uh, so far, I haven't seen this last one. I, I just think the reason it was good, if, it, if you liked it, and not everybody did, although some critics liked it and some people didn't, but if you liked it, uh, it was because it was funny. It didn't take itself seriously, and that was a good thing. We have uh, time for another two questions or so. So, Renee, you were talking about um, when you were designing the character for MASH, the priest, right? Um, and how much influence you had on that. So, I'm really curious to hear how much. Oh, we lost you. <laughs> Back on, go. Uh, you hear me now? Yeah. yeah. How much influence did you have on Odo as a character? Was there a lot predefined on that character, or was it a lot of you actually building that character? <laughs> All right, yeah, well, that's a huge question. <laughs> the simple answer to it is, and I've so, I'm sort of repeating myself in the world uh, here, but the, 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 the simple answer is when you get the script, there is a character on the page, the people who wrote it visualize it, have an idea of what that character looks like and sounds like, and they, because that's how they write, because they have to sort of embody it. So... They present you with something, and then you have to interpret it with your instrument. And um, uh, so in the beginning, your job is really just to interpret it and not try to find your way into the character. And um, not, uh, not, not tr try to find what they see and hear, because by, by the mere act of casting me, they already gave up a lot of what they imagined the character might be. You know, they thought it was going to be like uh, a young Clint Eastwood. That's, that is, in fact, what they, how they conceived of the character. And then I came in um, as part of a casting session, meeting people, and they always a good casting director throws in a, a, a clunker, something that makes, because if you see a whole bunch of young Clint Eastwoods, and you get like a, so she, Judy Lowry, threw me into that mix, along with other wonderful actors. And, uh, and I walked in the room, and whatever my take on it was, it was enough to, uh, to make them reimagine the character. And uh, 
So then I just started playing the character, and pretty soon you begin to really dance with the writers, and they begin to hear what you can play, the music that is best for you to play. And they write to that if they're good. And these guys, house guys, mostly guys, um, were really good at it. So eventually, it, it becomes a real collaboration. Thank you so much. Thank you. And we know we are just about out of time. If you have a question that can be answered quickly, we'll be able to sneak it in. Um, that's a. I have to do it. Well, that was a good shot. Um, uh, Renee, you did such a great job as a director on Deep Space Nine with the eight episodes you did. <laughs> and after that, you never directed again, at least in film or television. I was wondering why uh, it never uh, you know, came up that you could direct something ever. Yeah. Um, I, I came to the conclusion that it was just not something that I, especially in the realm of television, I could only do that because I was embraced and supported by the family, um, starting with Rick Berman, who really pushed me into doing it. But I could never conceive of going on to another railroad train, which is on the tracks and going, and, and knowing, knowing what to do with it. So it, I did it, and it was great. I would say, I think I did eight of them, and I, I always make this up every time I say this, but some of, 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 of I think that of, of the eight, there were four that were okay, two that were not okay, and two that were I was really proud of. So, and that was enough. It was great. Thank you. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.